Welcome to the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast with your hosts, Mike Randall and Gus Kearns. Every year when we head towards the end of January in college basketball season, you start to see a divide, Gus, between those teams that are playing with a purpose and those teams that are not playing with a purpose. And I think this weekend was the perfect example of how those two polarizing characteristics can exist. Mike, I couldn't agree more. We saw some crazy performances from some of the top-ranked teams in the country. And then you also saw some head-scratching performances, whether it be on the defensive side or the offensive side of the ball, that really made you think, like, what is the purpose of what they are trying to accomplish? So I totally agree with you. Playing purposefully or playing a little lost and, and, and really need a compass to find their way. That's exactly right. Welcome to the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast, folks. Gus and I are here again. We love college basketball. The uh, AFC-NFC championship games, Gus, are over. So we have our teams, the Patriots and the Eagles, which means more eyes will now turn to the college basketball hardwood, which is great for us. Right, partner? Yeah, we got the next two weeks, uh, I guess, as kind of a spotlight back on the sport. We know that the NBA will be doing their uh, all-star game like lead up. I think this is where you can start paying a little bit more attention to college basketball. And we're happy to provide some content for you guys to help you keenly focus in on the sport that you love. And we will certainly pay attention to the NBA as well because we are basketball agnostic, folks. We love all hoops, but we do lean, of course, to college hoops. That is our favorite. Gus, what do you say we go through the games? We'll start with the teams, top 25 teams, that played with a purpose. How about we go through each one of those games? You ready, partner? Yeah, with a purpose. I think we saw a couple of those guys on Saturday, absolutely for sure. Well, let's start with the number one team in the country, Villanova 81, Connecticut 61. This game was never close. Jalen Brunson, 23 points, five three-pointers. Dante DiVincenzo, Gus, is is the best six-man in college. I don't think it's even close. 17 points, five of 10 from three-point range. They were up 21 at the half. UConn is not good. However, it was only their second loss at home. Surprising first loss, Gus. Do you remember who they lost to their first game at home this year? Uh... Shockers? Yeah, very good. Look at you with Shockers. Okay. Yes. Uh, Villanova wins by 20. Yeah, I don't. Th- I think this is one of these teams where they just went out and just took care of business and played with a purpose. So, Mike, a couple of these teams and a couple of these games along the way here, just going to ask a simple question. Like, what side are you on? Are you on the side that Villanova is just going to continue to steamroll here and be one of the best teams in the country and, and be in the running for a Final Four? Or do you are you on the side of like, oh, let's wait until they run into somebody with some substance or something that's going to give them a little challenge? What side are you on with Villanova real fast? Great player, check. Balanced starting five, check. Six man mm-hmm. off the bench, check. Great coach, check. Answers yes. Absolutely, Villanova can win national championship. Got it. Okay. All right. How about we hit up uh, the second-ranked team in the country that took care of business earlier today on Sunday? Down Uh, screen, back screen, down screen. (laughs) Number two, Virginia takes down Wake Forest and wins by two. They didn't even let Wake Forest score 50 points. Uh, Virginia wins uh, 59-49. Cavaliers dominated the two road opponents this week. Georgia Tech and Wake. I feel bad that we're going to bring up uh, Georgia Tech twice here, uh, but you know we'll get to the UNC game a little bit later. They get a shorthanded Clemson team at home before all the marbles against Duke on Saturday, and you we talked about the spotlight, and you love game. that. Yep, gonna be great. Love game. that. The spotlight's going to be on that game, and Virginia kind of took care of their business here, so that game has a little bit more juice, right? Kyle Guy keeps doing his thing. He had 17. 
But you had your eyes on DeAndre Hunter, the freshman off the bench. Tremendous. He scored double figures in like five out of the last six or six out of the last seven, something along those lines. Of course, they were 10 for 10 from the free throw line. They play, Of course, they played their great defense. They did a good job getting rebounding. Virginia, as you mentioned before, playing with a purpose. There is no team in the country, Gus, that plays with a better purpose than the Virginia Cavaliers. They're fantastic. They're going on the road and they're winning handily. I think this game is it was like fake trying to be close because they crushed Georgia Tech early. So I, think I like, like I like the fake trying to be close. Yeah, like Wake was up to half, but I mean come right. on. This is a matter of time. Great coaching, great job, and we'll learn a lot. If Virginia wins that game on Saturday, Gus against Duke, then listen, I gotta start realizing they could be a number one seed. If they fall to Duke, they're still gonna be a high seed, but yeah. Tony Bennett, great job playing with a purpose, Virginia. Fantastic. Touch more on uh, Hunter, 6'7 kid out of Philly, does a little bit of everything, is disruptive in the passing lanes, which I, I think is a big reason why he's getting more minutes. He's paying, playing over 20 minutes a game over his last five games. I think he could be a good difference maker moving forward, maybe taking the place of maybe some of that Malcolm Brogdon role or uh, maybe that Isaiah Wilkins type role. I'm trying to think who else am I thinking, who got drafted by the Mavericks. Uh, and that Anderson type role, right? Like maybe he could fill in and be that third score that they're looking for behind uh, Jerome and, and, and Kyle Guy. 100% agree. Number three team in the country, Purdue, 86, Iowa, 64. I always consult with Gus whenever I possibly consider making a wager, folks, because Gus. If. Are- if. Gambling was legal. Of course, uh, because Gus, of course, is the maestro, the genius behind the Screen the Screener fishy lines. And you can follow those on the on Twitter at SDS Podcast or Gus at Currents 12 myself at Randall Rant. He puts the lines out. He's doing fantastic, as he did last year, as always. So always consult. Gus told me, do not be nervous, even though on Reddit I'm reading how the Purdue fans are telling me that Iowa is their house of horrors. He says, have no fear. Give the points. And he was right. They were up 51-20 at the half. 20 of 33 from three-point range. What does that even mean, Gus? <laughs> what is that? And that percentage just doesn't calculate. It's like 66%, and that's 23s? Purdue goes 19-2 and on the season. They are undefeated in the Big Ten Carson Edwards, 22. Your guy, Vince Edwards, 19. Haas only had three. Gus, I don't know what else to say. <laughs> Here, uh, here's my only take on this, and then we'll ask you one quick question. Carson Edwards, quite possibly, could be the most underrated player in the country. Absolutely. When, when he is on the floor for this team, he absolutely changes the dynamic. You look at his points, doesn't blow you away. You look at his assists. Nothing like, you know, like, oh, my goodness, like, that's not crazy. He's not putting up, like, Trey Young-type numbers. But when Carson Edwards is on the floor, when he is on the floor, they are one of the most efficient offensive teams in the country, if not the most efficient. Uh, Really impressed with Edwards. And I guess the last question here on Purdue, are, are you buying in yet? Are they a legit Final Four contender for you? Are they a legit one seed contender for you, Mike? I have changed my mind about so many other teams, and it's come back to bite me in the face, <laughs> St. Mary's. I'm not changing my mind anymore. I don't think Virginia's Final Four team. I don't see it. I don't think they can put it together that many games in a row. But as you said earlier, they can absolutely win the ACC. If they didn't make the Final Four, Brogdon, they're not making it this year. That's my motto, and I'm sticking to it. What about what do you what do you feel about Purdue though? Do you feel like Purdue is a number one seed? Do you feel like Purdue is a Final Four contender? Do you feel like they are legit, or do you feel like they're uh, we haven't seen enough yet? Senior leaders, check. Three-point shooting, check. Good big man big man inside, check. Bench, check. Coach, ah, 
Okay. But they have so many checks for me. The answer is yes. Wow. Okay. I do know how much it pains you to say that. I'm, 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 I'm interested that you actually put that, put that out for the people to hear and, and put it on the recording. That's fantastic. Uh, how about we go to number five, Duke, just absolutely destroying Pittsburgh, 81 to 54. The bigger news here might be Zion Williamson announced that he's going to go to Duke. He's going to join uh, R.J. Barrett. He's going to join uh, Cam Reddish. And they are, depending on what uh, rankings you look at for your uh, recruits, they're, you know, three of the top five or if not the top three. I know, one, in two, the draft three. Class. It's crazy. Right. <laughs> it's so so that might be the bigger news than the win over Pittsburgh that loses to everybody by 20. Wendell Carter continues playing really well, 21 and 8. Um, or Magley Jr., of course, like has his like normal 20 and 7. Grayson Allen with 16. He was 4 for 10 from 3. And Gary Trent, your guy, Gary Trent Jr., 17 points, and he was 5 to 7 from 3. How is this possible? In a game that you win by 27 points, that you're up 48, 26 at the half, can your bench only have two points? Unbelievable! It's it's ridiculous. It's a problem. It's a right, problem. they're right. blowing that, that, them out. I mean, who's gonna give me a break? When are they gonna score? That was my question. Do you believe in this Duke team even with nothing coming from the bench? No, I do not. No, I do not think that this Duke team is going to make the Final Four when they're getting two points off their bench in a game they won by 27. Spread was 28, by the way. That No, they are not making the Final Four. I can't see it. Gus, two points? What are these guys going to play? I mean, you're just telling me that this that Coach K has the magic elixir that you cannot foul. You're just not going to foul, guys. They get in foul trouble, they're done. Suppose Marvin Bagley gets hit in the eye like he has. He's been knocked out of two games this year. Right. Oh, like Who's going to play? It seems like it's a really fragile setup. Fragile, yes. I think with the fragility of the lineup, I, think in, I, I can't predict the way that it's going to bite them, but I think that that's going to be the crux for this team moving forward. I, I don't see any other way. Like They're, they're going to have to run into a point where they're going to have to have a Case Keatum come in. Or 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 Foles come in and 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 make a big play and play gigantic. I don't know if they have those guys in the bench, and they're certainly not giving those guys an opportunity to have success like that coming off the bench. You know, that's a great comparison you just made because today I was watching that the uh, NFC the AFC Championship game. You know, Jacksonville had that game won against the Patriots, but champions know how to put the game away, and they don't. Duke has winners, right? That's how they came back and beat Florida. That's how they came back and, and they've won other games this year, right? That's how they've done it. They're going to face a team right now. This tournament started tomorrow, Gus. They're going to face a Middle Tennessee State-like team from a couple of years ago with Giddy Potts or Upshaw, and those guys will make shots. This, we just know how to win at the end of games, that will not last without a bench. Somebody has to play minutes for this team. What, because- what if they play New Mexico State? Exactly. Exactly. And New Mexico, here's the thing. You know as well as I do, Gus, you got to play a team that can make shots or you got to play a team that doesn't give a flying fig and they'll pull up. <laughs> and that's a Middle Tennessee State to Michigan State. Oh, yeah. Your favorite to win by Vegas? I'm getting pots for three. Oh, okay, Denzel. How do you like that one? Huh? That's what they're going to face. I think they're primed for an upset. Now, maybe not round one. Let's not go nuts. Okay. But like, they're playing uh, in the 8-9 game, Gus? Oh, yeah. No way. Nevada, round two? Thank you very much. I'll take that, you know, Duke minus two line, okay? How about if Kentucky continues this free fall and Kentucky 
is the eight seed. Well, we'll get to that later, man. Okay, okay. Just just throwing it out there because you mentioned the eight nine game, and you know we'll get to Kentucky a little bit later. But like, what about that scenario? Uh, not if everybody's scoring seven. Good point. <laughs> That's it. That if somebody can wake up, if Jared Vanderbilt could possibly make me look good on Twitter, unlike this weekend, <laughs> if, if Gil just Alexander, somebody's got to score. But I don't think that Duke will lose to a team where everybody scores seven. I think it's going to be Giddy. It's going to be uh, Caleb Martin. Okay, it's going to be somebody like that saying, "I got this, no problem," and the rest of the team rise up. It's just my opinion. That's my opinion. What do you think? You think Kentucky can beat them if they get them together, get things together into the year? Oh well, I think that athletically they match up, but I think yep. they're they're limited offensively. But yeah, you know what? I agree with your assessment. I think it might take a dude, like a dude, to go off. Yep. Right, yep. and then like everybody just kind of jumps on the on the on the cape, and then you know rides the. Uh, you know, rides the wave in and then, uh, oh, he, he, he's playing well. Okay. Yeah. I can do my part too. I'll defend and make a layup here and there and make my foul shots. Yeah. So I think it'll take a dude and then an inspired effort behind that dude. That's why we watch number six, West Virginia, 86, Texas, 51. Mountaineers did eventually wear them down. It was close in the first half, but it was 54, 29 at the half. Nobody's in double figures for Texas. Carter, 22, Miles, 15, Kanate, 10, always the exciting blocker, two, and 14 rebounds against Mo Bamba. If you have a big gust that can battle Mo Bamba, Texas is going to struggle, especially now, obviously, with the Andrew Jones information. Right. Nice taking care of business win West, for West Virginia, right, Gus? Uh, winning, winning with a purpose, right? They, they definitely are playing with a purpose. And I have to tell you, this Kanate development, this changes my whole opinion on West Virginia. Yep. Because they were very uh, backcourt reliant, and you knew they had a couple of nice pieces on the outside. You know, West has played well. Allen has actually played really well. But them having some sort of stopper to make up for any mistakes made on the perimeter, because they do take so many risks on the perimeter defensively, that changes my whole outlook on this West Virginia team. I'm very high on them now. Absolutely. And Issa Mott's coming off the bench. There's your bench guy. You know, I'm a big bench guy. Maybe too much. I know I write, but I like to have somebody who can come off the bench because you never know who's going to get into trouble. Remember West Virginia played Kentucky a few years ago when they were undefeated? Yeah. And uh, who's the big guy with the goggles? Devin, uh, De- uh, uh, Devin Williams. Devin Williams got in foul trouble right away. Two fouls, first first minute, good night, game over. But right. now they have a guy off the bench so they can maybe sit him. Yeah, I'm with you. West Virginia going on the road to TCU, but we'll get to that a little later on Monday night. Yep. A little bit later. Another team that took care of business this weekend uh, made it a little bit close for comfort, but number 10, Kansas, beats Baylor 70-67. to 67. Kansas was up comfortably 6-10 to 10 points most of the game, and then Baylor makes its usual late-run charge like they always do uh, with that crew and, 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 coach, and Coach Drew. Baylor Bears were actually up 67-61 with about two minutes left. That's crazy. Then, it was crazy. I, yeah, you felt like this game was kind of comfortably in the Jayhawks' hands, and then the Bears make this run, and then you're like, oh my goodness, are they going to lose this game? Then Malik Newman took over, which is like, hello, there's a Malik Newman sighting. Made a layup, free throw, layup followed by uh, Graham, two free throws, and then Kansas kind of escapes with the win. So Baylor's now 12-7 uh, and seven on the season, 2-5 and five in the Big 12, and Baylor has never won at Kansas. They are... Oh, and 16. Six of Baylor's seven losses have come to ranked teams this season, which is going to happen when you're in the Big 12. And Kansas wins without really shooting it well. Uh, they shot at about 40% from the field and about 60% from the line. But you know what? Look at the standings. They're 16-3, and three, and they're 6-1 and one in conference. Mike Randall, the Jayhawks, take care of business. Kansas is David Blaine. 
You know David Blaine, the magician who does all these magical escapes, okay, where you hang yourself over a, a building and then like two days later he disappears or something like that? Listen to what they've done. They win at Nebraska by one. You know my thoughts on that? They just drive at Svimahilix, man, <laughs> okay? And he hits a three. They lost there by one. At Texas, close game, they won 92-86. Texas Tech, they lost at home. At TCU, they won 88-84. We went through that, of course. V. Mihailik, wide open again. <laughs> Iowa State, at home, they escape in a really close game. Kansas State, they win by right. one. At West Virginia, they're dead and buried. They come all the way back, and now they win at Baylor. They are winning close games, but they've won enough of these games, Gus, that they have a talent, and I have to admit it. They're winning the games that the other teams are not winning in the conference, and that's why they've won 13 Big 12 titles in a row. Are you calling Bill Self a little bit of a magician? No, he's a magician. I, I, he's a magician. I'm done. I'm, he's in the Hall of Fame. I've gone after this guy. He did the triangle in two against Kentucky when I thought they were going to lose, right? And then, he always seems – the new thing, Gus, in college basketball, everybody switched to his zone, right? Coach K did it the other night against uh, against Miami. Everybody slows down. You switch to his zone. I guess like nobody expects the zone. Like all of a sudden I want to yell at the TV four minutes up against Kansas. He's going to a 2-3 zone. Okay, and the point guard looks as if you just took a sheep and walked him directly across the court. That's the look in the opposing point guard's so eyes. The, the, what point, is the, zone? the point guard is not a shepherd, is what you're saying. <laughs> it's like you took a camel and walked a camel directly in the middle of the key. Oh, he's going zone. What do I do now? What do you mean? What do you do now? <laughs> Bill Self's great. I'm done. He's great. That's it. Kansas is going to win the Big 12. I uh, fair enough. Moving on. Right. <laughs> Number 11, Xavier, 73. Another game that infuriated me, by the way. <laughs> Seton Hall, 64. Seton Hall was dominating this game from the get-go. They came out strong. They were playing great. And J.P. Makura, who really was the villain here, hit a three with just under nine minutes left, and that's when Xavier took their first yep. lead. Xavier's 18-3 and three now, 6-2 and two in the Big East. Seton Hall falls to 15-5, and 4-3 and three in the Big East. Interesting. This is why I talk about the bench. Right. 17 fouls at home from Seton Hall starting five and nine fouls from Xavier's starting five. That won't cut it because they don't have a bench. And shame on Kevin Willard. Why would you leave Desi Rodriguez on the court with six minutes left in the first half with two fouls when you know you have no bench. And he bangs the third foul, and they close the eight-point gap right when he went out. I swear to you, Gus, I saw it. It infuriated me. There's an odd dynamic going on there, especially after what happened the previous game at Creighton where Desi obviously had an off game and there was something off-court related that that, yes, that got played yes. in. So I, I felt like this was Willard's way of like trying to like counterbalance that. But it really just blew up in his face as far as foul trouble is concerned. So That's hopefully they get that point. figured out and Willard can do some nice coaching off the court there to get that figured out so it's not an issue moving forward for sure. Very smart, Gus. Boy, that's a great point. That could be the answer. Listen, Kevin, you're a player's coach, Coach Willard. That's what you mm -hmm. are. All right. That's his thing. You are, yeah, letting that's these, his thing. you are letting these guys run the show. It's Delgado. It's Desi. It's Carrington. It's Powell. Fine. But you've got to take care of them. 20 points from Xavier's bench. And I don't know if Xavier has this massive bench. I mean, I know Cantor's there. No, Cantor's okay. been starting Ka the last couple of games, actually. Oh, Kaiser Gates. Oh, Zach, who's there? Uh, who's Scrug on the Scruggs is good. I like Scruggs. Right. 
But they need to have a guy like Scruggs. I like Scruggs too, but they need to have somebody like him. Only four points from the bench. It's Mac versus Willard. That's a TKO in my book. Right, right, right. Woulda, coulda, shoulda for Seton Hall. Gus, if you let J.P. McCura score 27 points at home, I think you should be fired on the spot. That's a season high. It's two points from a career high. I like J.P. McCura. He's the only other guy in double figures besides Trayvon Blewett, and he's not exactly a one-on-one maestro. You can't let it happen. Bad loss for Seton Hall, and it infuriates me because I just jumped on the bus. <laughs> you know, that, I'm sure the bus will be stopping at the next stop. Uh, you know, next stop, <sighs> Newark, Penn Station. So... <laughs> Listen, why do opposing crowds continue to infuriate J.P. Mercura? I don't know. know. You think you would learn by now, right? Look what he did in Wisconsin. Look what he does here with that follow-up dunk. And you mentioned his made three that gave Xavier their first lead of the game with six minutes or, you know, seven minutes to go. And then he goes off the rest of the time. And, and it basically single-handedly puts the team on his back and, and is the dude in this game. Posing crowds, just leave J.P. McCure alone already. Like, let him be anonymous. Gus, two rules for the crowd. Yeah. Stop storming the court okay, and right. stop going after J.P. McCure. <laughs> what do we got next? Those are the two big things we need to do. <laughs> Careful storm of the court and leave J.P. alone. Exactly. By the way, do you notice J.P. went back to the sleep? Yeah, he did. Maybe that's why he scored all the points. I guess we can't guard J.P. McCure. You can't guard J.P. McCure. How are you going to guard Jalen Brunson in the biggest tournament, Gus? That's all, all right. I'm saying. Let's go uh, Let's go to number 12, Cincinnati. Totally Down screen. Back screen, down screen, slow it down. Taking care of business against East Carolina. 86 to 60. They've won 10 in a row. They sit with a two-game lead atop the ACC after Wichita State has stumbled a couple of times. They're 17-2 overall, 6-0 in conference. This is a definite taking care of business team. Or are we just going to hold off any reservations on them? until they actually play one of the top-tier teams in the conference, like Houston or Wichita State or even SMU. So I guess the question here, we've asked a couple questions of this, is Cincinnati a top-10 team again? Are we back in on them, or are we going to wait until they have a true test in the AAC? You know I want to say that they are with every fiber in my body. I just don't know if the pack team offense can Mm. win – they do play great defense. Kane Broom is flammable. I think Jacob Evans has to be that guy for them. But I do think we need to wait. They haven't played Wichita home or away. They haven't played at Houston, which we'll talk soon. Wichita just learned was a problem. And they haven't gone to SMU. So I think we have to hold out. But very happy for Mick Crone and very happy for the Bearcats. Uh, certainly. But I think we got to hold off. A, a fair, fair, and and if I think if you're if you're talking about pack offense, I think they do have a pro. I think Gary Clark is a pro. I think he can be the dude. But because of the way that the offense is designed, I don't know. He's not going to get you that twenty-five and ten type performance. But he still can make a bucket in a big moment. So I, I think if you're gonna if you need a bucket in a big in a you know critical situation, I think Gary Clark's your guy on that team. Yeah, folks, we said the same thing about Ben McLemore years ago. Go take a look at Ben McLemore's box scores in that tournament with Kansas. Mm. Gus, I don't have any faith that Gary Clark's dropping 24, just like McLemore. I think it's got to be Evans. I agree with you. I agree with you. It's very unselfish. But you know what? Sometimes being unselfish is selfish. And Gary, that's what you're doing here because his team needs your scoring. Did you catch any of this game on the West Coast? I did. Nope. 
Number 14, Arizona, just squeaking out a win at Stanford, 73-71. to Five-game winning streak snap for Stanford. They've been playing so well. They're 11-9 they're, uh, over, uh, overall now and 5-2 and in the conference. So this game was for first place in the conference. Despite all the craziness, Arizona is actually 16-4 and overall, 6-1 and in the Pac-12, and they sit alone atop the conference ahead with a half-game lead. Stanford lost to John Davis. He had a great game. He had 10. That was uh, a big four, loss. Four. Yeah, that changed the game. It definitely changed the game. You know, he was responsible for that that that, that shot uh, that won them one of those games yeah. in that five-game winning streak. Um, so that was a big blow. Ristic went off for 18 and 9. He and was and, good. De- yeah. and De- uh, DeAndre Ayton was kind of ordinary in this game. So Reed Travis totally brought his A game here and totally was not afraid to play eight and one on one. Yeah, Gus, big win for Arizona. Big win for Arizona on the road. Stanford was scalding hot, like you said. They had five games, five wins in a row. They're really getting it together. Winning these games in the Pac-12 on the road are going to be a big, big deal. And even after everything that Arizona's been through, all the stuff that we talked about, Raleigh Hawkins losing three games in a row, now all of a sudden they're at the top of the Pac-12 and they're right where they should be. It's a tremendous, tremendous win for Arizona. Stanford playing very well. I love that Stanford's kind of got it pulled together after a rough non-conference schedule and they're playing well in conference. And it seems like anybody that's going to go into Stanford, it's going to be a tough game to play. It's going to be a tough place to win a game. And that was pr- that was not disproven uh, this weekend with Arizona just squeaking by with a two-point win. Let's go down to Carolina. Tar Heels taking care of business, playing with a purpose, 80-66 to over Georgia Tech. Tar Heels 16 and 4, 5 and 2 in the ACC. Luke May 17 and 11. Cam Johnson had 16 along with Joel Berry. That was nice to see. The key here, Gus, I think is 6'11 Sterling Manley with nine points off the bench, giving them some bench points, a big presence inside. Tar Heels now five game winning streak. How good are the Tar Heels, Gus? Great question. Number one, uh, awesome taking care of business win. I mean, you expect them to win this game again. You know, we hate bringing up Georgia Tech uh, again after talking about them with uh, UVA and mentioning them on the losing end of two contests. I think they're just figuring out how good they are now. Um, One of the things that we've talked about on the podcast, and I think you and I have talked off air about, is when you infuse an impactful player into your rotation, you think it's a solution i.e. McDuffie, Wichita State, i.e. Cam Johnson, uh, i.e. I'm trying to think of who else might have had their player uh, brought in or brought out. But you think like, okay, we got this player coming back. Boom, all of our problems are going to be solved, right? Not necessarily right away. Sometimes roles are tweaked a bit when that player comes back that's expecting these 25 to 30 minutes a game. And I think that's exactly what happened here with Johnson. I think that's exactly what's happening right now with Wichita State, with McDuffie, is these impactful players are being integrated into the lineup. So I think they're just figuring out how good they are right now. And with this five-game winning streak, I think they're showing everybody that they're, they're a definite top, I don't know, 15, top 10 team still. And they could get on a run because O'Royal put it together. He has the track record. Number 21, Tennessee, winning a nice road game at South Carolina after South Carolina proved their worth against this uh, Kentucky team. Tennessee wins 70-63. to 63. Nice road win. 
They're now 13-5, and 4-3 and three in the SEC. Uh, they rebounded after a tough loss to Missouri. And uh, sophomore guard Lamont Turner had 25 points off the bench. So they like to see that third score to complement Williams and, and Schofield here. I think that's exactly what Tennessee needed. Mike, anything else on this particular game here? Yeah, I had a work event. I had to go out last night. So I was getting updates on this game from my wife. I will read you the text messages from my wife in this game. And I think this summarizes the game This, this might be the best part of the podcast right here. Yeah, she she got into this game. She started watching it. The kids weren't watching TV. They were playing. So she just started tuning on the game. I've definitely corrupted her here. She says... Justin Minai is playing great, just hit a three. He did have 16 points, had a fantastic game freshman. That's Omar's son, of course, uh, used to be the Mets GM. Now he's back working for the Mets. Silva's on the bench with two fouls. He doesn't make free throws. Silva's not playing very well. Frank Martin just turned red. Silva got his third foul. They really needed Zion Williamson. <laughs> That's true. These are text messages. Wow. All right. That's uh, quite a feast right there, Mike th- Randall. Th- this Myers kid is gutsy. Uh, the <laughs> the, the point, <laughs> point guard, Wesley Myers, point guard, was having seven points a game, had 16 points, really came through, just hit a huge free. Minaya now has 16. Tie game. Silva got his fourth. They're choking it away. Terrible loss. So there you go. There's your wow. South Carolina, Tennessee. All right. Okay. Uh, I'm going to say that's that's an unbelievable rundown. That might be the best rundown of the podcast. Uh, let's move on to number 17, Auburn, defeating Georgia. You that got was- it. Yeah. 17, Auburn, defeated Georgia, 79-65. You put out a tweet about this, which is great. You can talk about it in a minute. They were down Auburn 40-26 to at the half, but that's just what Auburn does, right? And then all right. of a sudden, they, they outscored like lay, Georgia. in the trap. Right. And Georgia, who's a very good defensive team, gets outscored 53-25 in the second half. Auburn wins by 14. Bryce Brown, the junior, 28 points, 5-9 from three-point range. Nice win for Auburn after that mind, that head-scratching loss to Alabama without Colin Sexton just a few right. days ago. Auburn 17-2, 5-1 in the SEC. They're half game behind Florida, who's 6-1, and one, and a half game up on Alabama. A couple things here. Number one, when are they going to actually like take a lead into the half? Do you think that like just expect – do you think Coach Pearl just expects to give like some sort of like fiery halftime speech now every single game because they're going to be down by some sort of margin? Georgia is an unbelievable defensive team, and they dropped 50 on them in the second half. So nothing but kudos for Auburn here. I can't even believe that they pulled that off. And that that game had some I don't know, it, it had some it had some value to it because it kept them actually in the hunt in the SEC. So great win for Auburn. Unbelievable second half. And I'm really high on Brown. I think he's I think he, I think he's a really good player. He's definitely a guy to keep an eye on. He's very fun to watch. Auburn is going to be the team in the NCAA tournament that so many people are going to be like, oh, they're not that good, Auburn. What is Auburn good? That, that's what they're going to be. They're going to be like a three seed, four seed, five seed, somewhere in there, and people are going to pick them to to get upset because they just don't know Auburn basketball since Charles Barkley, okay? Uh, but that this team is good. They're flammable. They score. They get up and down the floor, and they don't care if they're down. They- that's one of those qualities that is coached or, or a characteristic that just comes from summer practices and 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 that that's not something that like you adopt that is a characteristic of your team and if that's one of the characteristics of your team that's a winning characteristic so kudos to the coaching staff and coach pearl there speaking of winning characteristics number 20 clemson takes care of business against an undermanned notre dame team 67 58 nice bounce back win after losing to uh unc i hate when we have to bring up like injuries and shortcomings on the podcast so dante grantham tears his ACL done for the season his career might his college career might be over 
He was the second leading scorer, second leading rebounder for Clemson, doing a little bit of everything for them. Massive blow to this overachieving Clemson team. They're 16-3. and They're 5-2 and in the ACC. Uh, they're tied with Duke and uh, UNC. They're a half game behind Louisville. They're only two games behind Virginia. Do you think that Bromnell like, asked Coach Bray some notes after the game, like how do you deal with a devastating injury? Like That's what I would have done right away because this – Injury seems like it could be devastating. This is a crippling blow to Clemson. I'm not going to sugarcoat this. Grantham was their second leading scorer, like you said. Big rebounder. They don't have the depth to overcome this. Gus, really quick, go through it. Give me a win or loss. Okay. At UVA on Tuesday. Got to be a loss. At Georgia Tech. Give them a win. UNC home. Loss. At Wake. Win. Home pit. Win. At FSU. Tough, give him a loss. Versus Duke. Loss. At Virginia Tech. Uh, saucy game. Virginia Tech might need to give Virginia Tech's a loss. Georgia Tech. Uh, loss. Florida State. Come back. They got him at home. Give him a win there. At Syracuse. Loss. That's yeah. my point. A little bit. On, that's my point, Gus. A 16-3 right. and three team. That right now is third in the ACC at five and two. You and I agree with every game you just said. There, you have them under five hundred basically rest of the way. That is a killer injury. It's almost like the injury news is is tougher when it comes to a team that is like overachieving or or maybe uh, playing a little bit above where you thought that their baseline might have been. And that's exactly what Clemson has been doing this whole entire season. And then also like compiled with. The news that Williamson was going to go to Duke and not stay yep. uh, and Clemson, like just pile that on. And that's like, uh, this is like two, it's a sandwich of bad news for Clemson fans everywhere. Next, next one, Ohio state talk about playing with a purpose and taking care of business. Totally. Gosh, I wish I had listened to your wonderful mid-major podcast folks on Saturday morning. It comes out. I wish I had listened to just a little bit before the game started because this game was in MSG, which was a great point. You talked about how the, t- the tournament at the end of the year, they're going to end up playing it there, so they got some exposure. They blow out Minnesota, 67-49. Keita Bates-Diop went 17-12. and Jordan Murphy, it's a shame, all these injuries gusts. He only had five rebounds from Minnesota. He's playing so well beginning of the year, but really has tailed off. Mm-hmm. Buckeyes, seven wins in a row. Gus, do you remember the last team to beat Ohio State, by the way? The last? <laughs> this is a good question. I don't yeah, know this. Yeah. Um, let's see. And they've won 12 of 13, so it's the only team that has beaten them in the last 13 games. Wait, was it Michigan? Uh, it was UNC. It was, it UNC? was UNC? Yeah, beat him 86. Oh, no, 72. Ohio State came back in that Michigan game in the second yes, half, right? they did, Gus. Yes. Oh, right. And that's, <laughs> right, okay. okay. Really? Uh, UNC's the last team to beat them? Yeah, yeah. They're 12, wow. They won 12 of 13, 17 of 4 overall. Chris Holtman can coach, in case anybody didn't know that. They're 8 0 in conference. Oh, who they're tied? I don't know who they're tied with, Gus. Top of the Big Ten. You may know who they're tied with. Purdue. They only play Purdue once. It's at Purdue. It's an unbound schedule mm. on February 7th. Gus, Keita Bates, Diop, Ohio State, Chris Holtman. What do you got? How impressed are we with this team? How, how impressed are we with, uh, you know, KBD? How impressed are we with Coach Holtman? This so guy good. can't, so this good. guy can't, I mean, he, he comes in later than any coach ever. Like every coach has like their mini camp set up. They have their practice schedule set up. They know their players. They know their personnel. They, they, they've established those relationships. He had to do all of that like on hyperspeed. 
Like, I, I can't even get over the, 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 the unbelievable job that he's done here. And remember, part of the reason that Ohio State was in this mess is because Coach Thad Mata stepped down because he felt like it was going to be another down year. So he decided, like, one of the, like, not not the reason, but it was, like, part of the decision-making. Like, it's like, oh, we might not, you know, we might have another down year this year, maybe we'll be better the year after. But, man, Coach Holman is absolutely disproving that without question. Really impressed. Love that they're playing well. Again, throw Ohio State into that Clemson and Auburn category of teams. You just love seeing that are overachieving and, and surprising you game after game. Put a little bit of pressure on uh, on Archie Miller out in Indiana, don't you think? They both came no. in late. They both came no. in late. We didn't I, know Keita Bates-Diop was this good. But I would correct. say that the expectations were similar for Indiana and Ohio State coming in. Ohio State, I understand they have a tremendous player. Don't get me wrong, and they have Jay Sean Tate. But still, uh, Indiana better have a good year next year because you know Ohio State's going to, right? So true. I think we can. I think we can judge with the same eyes next year. I think the fact that Holtman's doing this is just like a, a like a bonus. This is like again house money. I, I think every Buckeye fan everywhere is not like giddy with "told you so." I think they're just giddy with "wow." I can't believe this is happening. So I think I think I'm sure every Buckeye fan is is, is kind of feeling that way. Like I don't think they're they're saying like uh you know. We'll stick it to Michigan. We'll stick it to you know Ohio. Uh, we'll stick it to Indiana. No, I think they're just like, wow, I can't believe that we got this guy and he's coaching this well, and we're really lucky. Well, we got five games now, Gus. We went over the teams that are playing with a purpose in the top twenty-five, and we got teams who have not played with a purpose recently. Five games, teams in the top twenty-five who have not played with a purpose. Let's take a run at them. First mm. one: Oklahoma State wins at home over Oklahoma, eighty-three, eighty-one in overtime. The Sooners have lost two games in a row. They were ranked as high as number four last week. They fall to 14 and four, four and three in the Big 12. Oklahoma State now surprising 13 and six, three and four in the Big 12. And they have consecutive home wins over Iowa State, Texas, and Oklahoma. Yeah. Gus, you could talk a little bit about Trey Young. He had 48 points. Okay. <laughs> Jeez, eight, oh, eight three pointers, 12 and 12 from the free throw line. He played 43 of possible 45 minutes. The problem is, Gus, no one else had over eight points for the Sooners. Jeffrey Carroll, 23-13 and 13 for the Cowboys. Kendall Smith on the bench, matched the season high with 20 points, playing right. the they need production. They have not lost at home this year, and they get ready Oklahoma for Kansas on Tuesday night. But the Sooners falling fast. The one thing I, I, I thought that we could chat about a little bit is, number one, Here's my comment on Trey Young. Trey Young's amazing. He's he's absolutely incredible. He is like the most dynamic player in college basketball this year, no doubt, hands down. And there's been a number of dynamic college basketball players this year. I've gone over a bunch of them on this podcast, particular uh, in in particular. Here's my only dilemma with Trey Young, and tell me where you are on this. It seems like I have no problem with him shooting this much. Zero, zero percent problem with it. Keep chucking. I like it. Here's my problem. Why take? The why take the shot that's going to be there for you late shot clock situation? That's why not just point. probe and explore? That's a fair point. I'm okay with him shooting thirty, uh, you know, thirty footers, twenty five footers. I'm I'm good with that. But why do we have to do that early in the shot clock? Why can't that be like okay, we don't have anything. Let's let Trey do his thing. Yeah, let's I think probe the- explore. I think there's a little bit more there, is what I'm saying. Yeah, I think the issue is that. He was they were succeeding earlier with this schematic. Okay, mm-hmm. they were succeeding with this happening. And Christian James was getting fifteen, and Brady Manick would occasionally get fifteen, and Cam Augusty would get twelve. But now teams are basically saying, 
We're going to take everybody else away. Trey, you keep chucking. You keep chucking. He did not shoot 50% from the field in this game. He is averaging 30.5 points per game, 9.7 rebounds, 4.6 assists, and he's still shooting 44% from the field. But you're right. I think they have to change it now because Trey Young used to do that because he could score. But now the whole problem is they're taking everybody else away, and I don't think he'll be able to win it by himself. Right. I, I agree. Flip those uh, rebound and, and assist numbers around. Like, that's crazy. That's that's my only dilemma. So I guess where are you – I guess the bigger question here with Oklahoma as a team is are you in with them as a Final Four team or a national championship contender, or are they too Trey Young dependent to make that type of run right now to Trey Young dependent. All right. That's fair. I think that, I think that's especially, you know, the initial uh, residue after this game. Like, I think that's where you're going to, that's where your opinion is going to lie back to our, you know, our initial conversation about Trey Young is like, just probe a little bit more stop settling for the, the shot that you can get 20 seconds later in the shot clock. Right. Totally agree. Okay. Uh, how about another team that didn't take care of business and lost to Ohio, uh, Iowa State, Texas Tech falls 70-52. to 52. Since losing forward Zach Smith, the Red Raiders are 1-3. and three. Now, you can say that a guy's averaging 20, 21 minutes and, and 6.5 points. is doesn't make a big difference, but when you play slow and deliberate, it makes a world of difference. And when he's one of your seniors that you count on, it makes a world of difference. They lost at Oklahoma. Then they beat West Virginia at home by one, and then they lost on the road to Texas, and they lose this game to Iowa State. Keenan Evans was very ordinary, two for 12 from the field here. Five guys in doubles for Iowa State, led by freshman Cameron Lahr with 18 points, so nice surprise there from the Frosh. And Texas Tech now sits at 15-4 and four overall, 4-3 four and three in conference, and Iowa State stops the free fall, and they're actually now 2-5 and five in conference, but they have lost five of their last six games coming into this game. Uh, so, Mike, where are you at with Texas Tech? Are we back? Are, are, have we gotten off the, like, Texas Tech is a, a dark horse Final Four team, or are we still in that boat somewhere? You're going to answer the question for me. You ready? Home Oklahoma State. Uh, win. At South Carolina. Win. Home Texas. Win. At TCU. Loss. Home Iowa State. Win. At Kansas State. Win. Home Oklahoma. Loss. At Baylor. Loss. At Oak State. Uh, Tough. Uh, Win. Home Kansas. Loss. At West Virginia. Loss. Home TCU. Win. I think they're lucky they got off to a good start. I think they will eventually yeah. get it right. I agree with you. I think if I if I counted up right, you had them like eight and four rest of the way, something like yeah. that. I, I think that's about where they are. Losing a guy like Smith changes everything because it's like if Virginia lost a guy or Cincinnati lost a guy. Those guys have very specific roles. They do things in a very deliberate way. I think it's a huge Excellent loss. Point. It's a it's not like North Carolina losing a guy. It's very excellent different. point, and I I think that that really hurts them. But I I like what Coach Beard's doing. They had some great wins. The win at Texas, of course, fantastic. But they have to get things right, and I think he will eventually. And I agree with you. I think there's some games in there. They're still going to be tough to win at home. They've always been tough to win at home, even when they were, you know, even though when they weren't great, it was always a tough place to play. So they'll get it right. They'll get it going. I I think so too. I think they're I think they will figure out 
who to plug in, especially because they do have some talented freshmen that they can lean some of those minutes to that Smith were taking up. So I, I don't think it's crazy that they'll actually fill that role eventually, but it just might be tough uh, in this initial going, especially these four games that they've, they've played most recently. Just want to say a quick word. I know you got to talk about it on your, on your solo pod. Gonzaga bounced back from the loss to St. Mary's with a 75-60 win against Santa Clara. That's that's mm-hmm. nice. I do have to take a moment here, of course, because of, leave it to me jumping off the St. Mary's bandwagon. I am the mush. Gus, you should kick me off the Gonzaga bandwagon because when I come on the bandwagon, it wrecks the whole thing. <laughs> totally my fault. Terrible. The, ba- the balance is off somehow, right? This was the game, Gus, that I thought we were going to have last year. When I predicted them to beat Gonzaga, this is what it was. I think Hackman would not get into foul trouble one game and dominate. He had 26-12. and 12. You want to say last year they had Shemek? Okay, dial it down. Make it 18-10. and 10. I-, I thought that he would have a decent game, and this year he proved it. They were 8 of 13 from three-point range. They were on fire. They hit big shot after big shot. They really didn't turn the ball over that much. They only had eight turnovers in the game. Gonzaga, I felt, pressed a little bit, Gus. Jonathan Williams definitely got frustrated with Landell. Good observation. Perkins had a bad game. He shoots well from three, just didn't in this game. He's one of six from three-point range. Rory Hashimura, give kudos to you. You said it was the coming-out game, and it certainly was. 23 points. He was fantastic. I think Gonzaga's fine. They didn't take care of business against St. Mary's. I do think St. Mary's in the tournament, Gus, with this win. I think they locked it up, barring like a huge collapse. This is a program-saving win. They could at least get a tie of the regular season title right now. Gonzaga's going to have to win at St. Mary's. That's going to be tough. A good one for St. Mary's. They should be ranking Gonzaga. Tough loss here, but I think both teams will, will be fine moving forward. Yeah, Perkins is vexing. You want him to get this like big game uh, slash late possession situation figured out because it seems like he does brain fart in these situations often, more often than not. You know, we can reflect back upon uh, the missed free throws on their prior loss to this. And we can even reflect back upon to last year at the BYU game where he had the ball in his hands, the last possession and and fumbled it away. So there seems to be a history of these things for Perkins. But, yeah, you want to see him get it figured out personally so that he's not like that's not the legacy that he's leaving there at Gonzaga. Uh, But I agree. Rank St. Mary's. This is a season-saving win for them uh, and now gives them an opportunity to be, I guess, in discussion for an at-large berth now that they got this big win. So I I agree. I think it's good for the conference overall. How's that? I'm totally with you. How about another team, another ranked team that necessarily didn't take care of business, but it – I mean, it ran into another good team, uh, Florida and Kentucky, which was on like the you know the CBS stage for us this weekend. Florida wins the game, 66-64. You felt like Kentucky might have had a little uh, a, a little control of this game, and then the team and then Florida, you know, eked out the win. And Chioza obviously plays well in crunch time. Uh, the teams were combined ten of forty-seven from three-point range. Yuck. Florida was 6 of 30, and Kentucky was 4 of 17. I guess kudos to the defense. Well done on the perimeter, maybe. But let's shoot it a little straighter, both those teams. This is a horrific loss for Kentucky. Florida shoots 20% from three-point land, and that's like one of their major weapons. And they actually out-rebounded them, and they lost at home. Uh, I, I don't know how you put all those things together, and then Kentucky comes up with a loss. Uh, sophomore forward Keith Stone stepped up for for Florida. He was averaging around eight points. He had 14, and he had a couple big shots to settle down Florida. 
what is the, the the identity of this Kentucky team? And that's what my question moving forward here. Like, what side are you on with this Kentucky team? Are we on the side that they have the talent to make a Final Four? Or is this just like a big, giant mess that Cal still has to figure out? Kentucky's got to get some sort of roles defined here. I don't think Kentucky is going to have the success that we've talked about in the past with Richards with a dunk followed by a shot from Kevin Knox, but he's got to be really wide open because he's a weeble and he can't attack the basket like Malik Monk used to be able to in Rise and Dunk. And then P.J. Washington, which is with his one move every game, catch the ball at the foul line, dribble to the left side, go up, make a layup or dunk. That's great. Gildress Alexander has a couple flashes but then disappears. Right. I still think Jared Vanderbilt's got to be the guy. He didn't show it here. I was disappointed that. I know Quade Green... But Florida will shoot better, Gus, from the three-point line. We know that. That's what they oh, do. Yeah. I don't know if Kentucky's going to shoot well. I, I That I don't know. And I just right. see this box score, 9, 8, 6, 8, 10, 7, 10. That's not going to cut it in the NCAA tournament. I want to believe Cal will get it right. I want to believe the roles will be defined. But I just don't know if pack basketball is going to work here. Is this team beating Cincinnati right now? I don't know. Uh, so I am starting to get a little worried about Kentucky. Florida, it's a great win. You win a game like that in Lexington after you know you really struggle, it's a tremendous win. And guess who sits atop the SEC standings right now? Yeah, yep. that's right. It's the Gators. It's Florida. They'll be um, ranked, and they'll be ranked us, and they will never come out of the rankings after tomorrow. Oh, wow. I, I kind of like that prediction yeah. about Florida. I They'll think that's be in the, be the rest of the year. Yeah, and his thing, I liked Florida. I did. I put the Kentucky tweet out because I just felt this was Kentucky's night, but I've liked Florida all along. I've never gotten off the bandwagon. I just thought they would lose this game, and they didn't. I, I, I'm totally on board. I think it's a great call that Florida will re-enter the rankings, and it's going to take – you know, you're going to have to like shoehorn them out of the rankings after uh, after this pat- after next week. I totally agree with you on that. Um, and how about another team that just seems like they can't take care of business and it seems like they're kind of falling apart? TCU drops another game. Kansas State wins it, seventy-three to sixty-eight. And number twenty-four, TCU obviously is going to fall out of the rankings. That's maybe the spot that Florida will get. Maybe not that number, but you know that spot that's existing in the rankings now. And this is another team that's going to have to deal with some injury woes. With no Jalen Fisher, oof, I, I, they have to figure some things out. I know they have Robinson to play some of those minutes there. Maybe they slide uh, Williams over a little bit. But I, I, I think Coach Dixon is really going to earn his money here trying to figure out what to do with no Fisher in the backcourt here. Mike, TCU, how much trouble is this team in? They're in a lot of trouble. They're in an awful lot of trouble. They are hosting West Virginia tomorrow night in basically a season changing win they don't win this game they are going down and they are going down quickly the loss of fisher is huge they're going to face a west virginia team tomorrow night gus and west virginia is only favored by one i don't quite understand that one but they're facing a west virginia team tomorrow night that they don't have great guards against that they don't play an awful lot of defense we've seen that Mm -hmm. and now they have to go and try to, to to stop West Virginia, who just lost a heartbreaking game two games ago to Kansas, and they seem to have got things right. I don't understand it. TCU, like you said, tied for eighth right now in the Big 12. Tied for eighth in the Big 12. They were predicted to be third. They're two and five. I think they go to two and six. And Gus, this is a team I thought was a shoo-in for the NCAA tournament a couple weeks ago. And now if they fall to two and six in conference, I'm not sure if they're making it. Yeah, I think they are become very bubbly if they lose this game to West Virginia. And I think instead of being in line for like, you know, whatever, a three, four, five, six seed somewhere in there, 
I think they slide all the way down to that play-in game, and they're crossing their fingers they get into that thing. So this West Virginia game actually has a lot of riding on it for this TCU Horns Frog team, a team that you know I think we all thought could challenge or maybe be in a top three position in this conference, and now they're in a bottom three position in this conference. Yikes. So it's TCU, mate. Maybe they can swing it right after this West Virginia game, but this is not a recipe for success. Losing one of your starting guards and playing one of the top defensive teams in the country. Hey, before we get out of here, Gus, let me take you through the next three nights of games. Just give me like a quick word or two on what you think about this. Yes, Tomorrow, sir. tomorrow night, North Carolina at Virginia Tech. Love North Carolina here. I think they're going to out-athlete them. Maryland in trouble at Indiana tomorrow night? Uh, I think that's a saucy game, and I think because you brought up Indiana before, maybe Archie Miller cooks one up to kind of you know hold serve with Coach Holtman. West Virginia TCU, what do you got? Yeah, I think it's going to be West Virginia by a ton. Baylor bounce back at home against Kansas State tomorrow night. You know what I think they do. I I, I think they do, and I think um I I think as usual Baylor will stay relevant throughout the season. Providence cover the spread at Villanova on Tuesday. What's this? Uh, we don't know the spread yet, right? They don't yeah, got it. Uh, 12, 15. <laughs> okay, so if we were going to guess the spread, it's at, is it at Villanova? Yeah, it is. What'd you say? Did I'll you say 12? 15, 12, somewhere in there, right? It's not going to be yeah, 20. Yeah, it'll probably be double digits. Yeah, you know what? I know. I don't think they do. Right. How about Cle- that? Clemson, no Grantham at Virginia. Mother of God game or no? No chance. Okay. Kansas at Oklahoma. What do you got on Tuesday? You know what? I, I think that. It's going to be a similar script to the other Kansas games that we talked about. I bet this is a one-possession game with two minutes to go. I'm definitely going to bet Kansas so you should take Oklahoma. I just never get it right. (laughs) Fair enough. What else you got, partner? Alabama get tripped up at Ole Miss, Gus? I don't think so. No. I agree. Going to Wednesday. Marquette comes in as Xavier. Interesting. Can Can they do it? I don't think so. I think that Marquette might get exposed because the Xavier Biggs might actually be really impactful here. I think Cantor and O'Meara actually will combine for 30-plus, and that will outdo or circumvent anything that's going to happen in the backcourt with Rousey or Howard. Albany and the America East streak at Vermont on Wednesday? No. All right. No. I know Albany's been playing really well. Uh, you know, they, they, they do have uh, Primo. They, they have good guards. I think this Vermont team is just, they got something. They got, I don't know what it is. They got something cooking. I think they're going to keep cooking in the kitchen. Auburn goes to Missouri down early in the first half. Do they come back in the second half? <laughs> you know, that's going to happen, right? <laughs> at some point, one of these efforts on the road is going to come up a little bit short. Maybe it's here. Stanford at USC. USC hot, Stanford, USC starting to get hot now. Stanford also starting to get hot, even though they cooled off with a tough loss there against Arizona. Who do you like there? It's an interesting game because it's it's two top three teams in the conference, which I don't think you thought correct. correct. be talking about due to USC's like shortcomings uh, early on and then just like the uncertainty of how good you thought Stanford was. Uh, I think the perimeter talent – for USC, and I think Boatwright outplays uh, Reed Travis, so give me USC. And really quick, Nevada had a huge win over Boise. Wasn't sure if both Martin brothers were going to play. They did. Chandler Hutchinson, who you've been on from the very beginning, and you called it, he is a phenomenal player. He's absolutely NBA player. Nevada let down going to Wyoming on Wednesday night? Uh, Careful. Wyoming is live. 
They will play well. I can totally see like them not covering the spread but winning there. And Boise Mother of God game home against San Jose State. <laughs> I mean, are, are you kidding me there? Jared Hutchinson with 50. All right, that's all I got, partner. Listeners out there, thank you so much for carving out some time for the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast. If you like what you're listening to, please don't be afraid. Give us a little review on iTunes. If you write your review in on iTunes, we will give you a shout-out and an ahoy on the podcast. Uh, give you a little love. Uh, please give the podcast a follow on Twitter, SDS Podcast. Uh, efficiency of keystrokes, of course. Uh, if you're interested in getting in touch with the podcast uh, via Gmail, please do sdspodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to interact with you if that's your form of communication. Uh, we are game for that. And then please don't forget to give Mike a follow. Uh, he is at Randall Rant. Uh, he is absolutely entertaining and actually very informative. And if you're looking for some screen to screen or on pr- uh, print to consume, uh, hit up uh, RandallRant.com. Mike's awesome site. He uh, does a great job with the short corner. Uh, he'll give you a rundown of what's happened the past week in college basketball or maybe just the things that are uh, that are accumulating on his college basketball mind. And he will be kind enough to share those out in the short corner. So there you go, listeners. There's where you can find everything. Thank you so much for supporting the podcast. We're very grateful and very thankful. A big week coming up, folks. So if you listen to this, hopefully on Monday. If you listen to Monday, we just recorded here on Sunday night. I'll come. We'll have short corner on Tuesday. I'll come back with my solo on Wednesday. Gus and I'll be back on Thursday. Friday, we'll get our our rankings and stuff out, and then on Saturday, of course, Gus gives you the mid major pod. How about that? Full uh, week at the Screen the Screener podcast. And we hope that you enjoy this week where college basketball might actually take main stage. So, uh, cilantro, gratulatia, uh, cheers, and arigato out there to everybody. Thank you so much. 